Oh, we're live. Well, if you want something done right, we all know objectively that you choose Kamala Harris to get it done for you. Just kidding. Condolences to all the Palestinian and all the Hamas guys. Literally one of the biggest FUs I've ever seen from an American government. Placing somebody like Kamala Harris in charge of the rebuild of a government in your city. Man, I'm, for one, I'm excited to see how all this plays out. We've got a chocked full show of all sorts of stuff. We got political news from area, Chinese guys coming across the border. We got Kamala Harris, the czar of Gaza. We got Elon Musk, a shout out to uh, censorship and everything else. We have a very special guest, Joe Gamaldi, vice president of the FOP National. We also got current police officer Tyler from the Antihero podcast. We got lots of questions for the FOP. All this and more brought to you by ghostpad.com forward slash Wolfpack and factormeals.com forward slash Wolfpack. Right here on Florida Stops, last call of the day. Let's go. The growing calls across the nation to defund the police. Policing as we know it. Off the charts violence in New York City. 11 people shot in just eight hours on Sunday. This is Sunday. about the police officers, officers who every single day put on that uniform and they run towards danger when we run away from it. I do it anyway. I do it anyway. Guys, listen, today's show is brought to you by ghostbed.com forward slash Wolfpack. Sleep so good, it's scary. Election season is upon us and things are going to get crazy. The news is only going to get darker and dimmer. The shit that you guys see on the streets during the holiday season doesn't make life any better. But you know what does make life better? Sleeping on a ghost bed. And I always say the one of the biggest proponents to mental wellness is a good night's sleep. And that's why we're proud to partner with Ghostbed. Ghostbed.com forward slash Wolfpack. They've been a loyal sponsor for uh, since my beginning of my podcast days when I podcasted on the Drinking Bros Network. Uh, so they've been with me for about four years now. Uh, we love them so much and appreciate them. Right now, 50% off. They've got cooling sheets. they got the bed toppers. they got the amazing pillows is my favorite part. The bed's my favorite part, but because I travel so much, I don't get to take the bed with me everywhere. I do get to take my pillow everywhere with me, and that makes me feel good. All of those things right now, five zero percent off if you use the promo code Wolfpack. Um, man, site wide, we've got them hooked up with Conservative Ant, who is uh, on the Night Shift Top Secret Information Show. So they are even sponsoring the Night Shift Top Secret Information Show. Uh, listen, you have to support those who support us. It's not easy in this day and age to find somebody who's super pro police, super pro politically. Listen, I, we went down to uh, the ghost bed facility and I promise you it's not a whole bunch of conservatives. I, it's, the, it's, it's actually the opposite. It's actually the opposite, but they don't care. They believe in freedom of speech. They believe in podcasting and, and they believe in, in doing things the American way, which that's why they make their beds right here in the United States. And uh, we're proud to be with them. So head over to ghostbed.com forward slash Wolfpack. And then we also have Factor Meals. Uh, this is meal prep to the next level. Next level meal prepping. Pull that up. Bring that little menu up here. Well, we cover this on Monday's uh, Monday's episode of uh, Uncuffed. But uh, these are uh, two minutes in a microwave. Uh, it takes all that time out of the holidays. You're out there Christmas shopping. You're out there Christmas planning. You got the Christmas parties. You got court prep, trying to get those uh, last minute court dockets settled before the end of the year. Last thing that you have time for 
is meal prep and meal planning. And these, uh, these are, they have calorie conscious protein heavy. The protein heavy is like 30 grams of protein minimum each meal. They've got breakfast now, which I'm stoked about a little pissed that they haven't sent me any breakfast ones to try yet. I'm going to send them an email today. They do send me the breakfast shakes, which are out of this world. Incredible. The two co-hosts that we have on uncuffed, um, they say that they need a bigger black menu. Now those are two black comedians. Maybe they're being funny, maybe not, but they said they don't see enough fried chicken, cracklins and uh, collard greens on there. So I don't know. And I know that Factor Meals is listening to these because they actually emailed me last week about certain ad reads. Um, they didn't get mad at me for them. But uh, listen, I'm just the I, I'm just the the messenger. They love the menu. They love the meals. We're doing a movie night. They're coming over and we're doing the meals together, having a dinner night. That's how much they love Factor Meals. They just want to see uh, some soul food on there. That's all. They saw everything but soul food. They got a great little Asian menu on there. So anyway, we love Factor Meals absolutely to death, all jokes aside. And we're super proud because listen, mental wellness, right? Good night's sleep and you eat good and you eat healthy. When you're eating healthy, you're not as depressed. When you're sleeping good, you're not as depressed. You don't have all those crazy thoughts. So uh, factormeals.com forward slash Wolfpack or promo code Wolfpack, however you want to do it. Let's bring on our very special guest today, Joe Gamoli. Joe, who the hell are you? And how the hell are you? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. I'm Joe Gamaldi. I'm the National Vice President of the FOB. I've been a police officer for 18 years. I uh, started my career in the NYPD. I did three years there, but I was living in a shoebox apartment. You know, the type that's so small when you open your bedroom door, it hits your bed. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't really want that for my life. So uh, I transferred down to Houston about 15 years ago. And uh, now I am an active night shift lieutenant. So if you want to send me one of those ghost pillows, because I'm always trying to get my sleep like dialed in, I will not be upset about it because I think we all know working night shifts. Sometimes it's hard to get a good night's sleep. I pro yeah, I have no problem sending you a ghost bed pillow for sure. Um, but do not, uh, do not desecrate the pillow by using it in your cop car. Um, the, the ghost bed pillow should be more of like a sanctuary and you for wouldn't sure. take Christ into the gambling hall. You know what I'm saying? Like, so yeah. just leave it outside of the patrol unit because it, you don't, it's, it's like a, it's like the American flag. You don't want to, uh, you know, you don't want to desecrate or anything. Now, listen, you said you've been a cop for 18 years. When did you start being a, a cop? When you were two, when you were yeah. three, you look like you're so no more than 17. So I am actually 40 years old, believe it or not, but this it's is just what good, clean years. living gets you folks. You know, you eat right, you work out, you can still look young, you know? You're, you're how old? 40? I am 40 years old. Oh, well, I'm 65. Look how good I look. <laughs> look how good I look, guys. Don't, don't pay attention to how good he looks at 40. I'm 65 and I look even better. I'm just kidding. We're like the same age. That's embarrassing um, because you look way younger. What are you doing those uh, other the Chinese baby penis facials that Sandra Bullock's up on? <laughs> no, no, no. Just uh, regular blood transfusions from like 18 year olds. You know, I go every month and then I go get the stem cells and just keeps me, you know, keeps me going. You know, thank mm -hmm. God I, I got enough money that I can keep this appearance up. Well played. Well played. So uh, thank you so much for joining us from Houston. We're going to a lot of questions for you as our live chat begins to grow. Guys, speaking of the live chat, thank you so much. A lot of paid members in the live chats, and that's because we uh, are under a little bit of YouTube spanking right now. So our show is only going out on notification to... Um, to paid members or a lot of the non-paid members are, are getting zero, zero notification on any of our lives. Now, if we pre-record and YouTube approves the, the 
the pre-record, we get a lot better engagement. Uh, but that doesn't sound. We like to go live because we like the the live engagement. So um, for those of you guys who are the paid members in the chats, Tactical Dudes, Will Cray, Mer530, um, a couple other guys in there. Thank you guys so much, Deadleg, all those guys, Fulcanator. Appreciate you guys. But uh, if you could, share it up. And uh, let's get back to those OG numbers that we're used to seeing um, as we survive this. Intense shadow banning. By the way, that was all brought to you by the King Bo episode. Uh, King Bo, the MMA fighter who wore the shirt. Trump was indicted for anybody in the Epstein list. We knew it. We knew it the moment we posted it. We actually waited um, to post it. Uh, we, it was under a lot of debate. Uh, he said a lot of things that you can't say on YouTube. At the end of the day, we just decided to say screw it because 99% of our listenership is on audio and we don't mind losing YouTube, which is why it's important if you want to support the show. Uh, we're probably, we're, I mean, we're easily losing about $1,200 a month on YouTube at the moment, um, but we have Patreon to back that up. And that's why that's important. And that's why it's important for the paid members to be in there. Um, and hopefully we don't get any more strikes so we don't lose our paid membership. But thank you guys uh, for those of you in here. At the beginning of the year, we are going to go back to, uh, we, we've got factor meals, it looks like, for the whole year. Ghost bed for the whole year of 2024. Um, but it looks like on some of these shows to make up the loss of the YouTube numbers, which is only going to get worse because of the election cycle, probably go back to those, uh, what are they called? Uh, dynamic ad reads? Everybody hates those too. Is that what it's called, Tyler? Well, like where you, I thought, What's a dynamic ad read? The one where they fucking read it for you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, but it won't go on Patreon like that. Patreon will still be ad free. But um, anyway, so I'm, I'm just giving you guys fair warning that in the new year, uh, there's going to be uh, you know, probably some more ads on the non-paid subscri sub subscription side of things. So don't get too mad at us. That's how we keep this uh, show on the, on, the, on the move. Because like I said... Uh, Oh, about a week ago, it's now coming to fruition. We have Josh Deadleg Media flying out tomorrow to build a set out for uh, for conservative ant for the Night Shift TSI show. Um, we were just we were just in Florida in the Jacksonville show, and we had to pay lots of producers for that show. And it looks like we're going to have a show in February in Fredericksburg, Virginia. Uh, I don't know the details on that. We also have one coming up in Tampa, Florida, and I don't know the details for that. So I'm basically doing what I always hated, which is you know, what when in the military where they are like prepare to notify, like what is it? Preparation to notify before notifying that whole thing. Yeah. It's like just shut the fuck up until it until it happens. But uh I just like to give you guys extra warning. So lots of things coming up, and we appreciate all you guys for supporting our sponsors and supporting us in the news. Real quick, we'll jump through it so we can get over to Jay Gamal because I know some people got a lot of questions in here. Kamala Harris, basically the unofficial official czar of Gaza Strip. Now, I personally, and, I, and guys, feel free to chime in on this. Uh, so the, the, the way this is working is, is that the, the White House didn't come out and formally say that Kamala Harris is, is now the czar of the Middle East uh, or of Gaza. What they did was they sent her to the Middle East. And then if you really dive deep into the news articles, you will see that she had zero time in her schedule for anything except going meeting to meeting to meeting to meeting all over the Middle East. And if you really pay attention in the last three or four days of how many meetings she has had and what she said at these meetings, it's pretty obvious that she has now been in put in charge of the rebuild of Gaza. She's made many statements. I'll go through some of the statements um, that she's made. She stepped on her toes. It's been very embarrassing. At one point, she told the news very specifically that uh, there was no plan. 
There was no plan for their for restructuring the borders of of Palestine and Israel. That there was no plan in place. And then the very next day, she's like, "We have a very strategic plan of how that's going to go down," and it's basically going to base on the Israel side. So she says one thing in front of one group that's making a lot of people upset. I think this was probably one of the worst ideas or best ideas our government has ever had. But obviously, it shows how much the Biden administration does not care about Hamas. Listen, I, this is one thing we can agree on. It, for me, at least, I don't give a shit about Gaza or Hamas or anything. So I don't care. But man, what a slap in the face to the people of Palestine when you put your just the worst guy in charge of something as important as rebuilding the government of your of your of, of the capital of, of your area there. Um but you know why they picked her specifically, right? No, I don't. I mean, maybe because she's the worst. Well, I mean, she has for them. She, she has. She's the worst. I, I will agree with you there. But uh, from February 6, twenty twenty three, from CNN, uh, she was in charge of our U.S. border policies and stuff. So she was the one that was in charge of our border and was dubbed the border czar earlier this year. So and I love how we're how that we're term czar so much now with this administration, right? Like. And we she's done such a stellar down. job as our borders are that surely we should just put her in charge of more borders. I mean, let, let's just put her in charge of every border because our border is completely open and people are flowing over wherever record numbers cross the border. So, I mean, she has just done a bang up job. So let's just give her more responsibility. What is it, what is it like being in Houston, Texas? I know that you guys probably are more on the front lines of the uh, the border crisis than anyone. What's it looking like in Houston? I don't think the everyday American has any clue just how bad it is on the border. I don't, I don't think they have any clue. I mean, it, it is literally an open border. People are just coming over. And what people don't understand is like, they don't necessarily stay in those border towns. They make their way to major cities. And then guess what happens? Like some people are coming over the border because they want to make a better life for their family and their children. I get it. They want to work hard. I, I get all that. They want to pursue the American dream. But you know, there's like a whole contingent of people who are just like criminals. And this is just new opportunities for them in these cities. And another thing that people don't understand is they the, the cartel is surging in certain areas on the border. So while we're all paying attention to like a thousand people crossing the border, like 10 miles down, they're just bringing in like truckloads of fentanyl and nobody even notices because the border patrol is so overworked there. So it's a complete joke. We don't even have a southern border anymore. Now, do you guys have, uh, is ICE still like big, like uh, for us, ICE became very political during the, the George Floyd era and the, the BLM era. And so um, they removed ICE from our jails. There's been a, a big battle because one of our officers was actually killed subsequently um, uh, just, just about a year later. And, um, and then all of a sudden when this deputy was killed, um, they wanted to go after they wanted they wanted to, to use ICE and to, to go after uh, this illegal Hispanic anybody close to them and it's like well you know you guys kind of set this up to happen and you got rid of ICE but then when one of your deputies dies now all of a sudden you really want to use ICE and ICE was like no we're not doing that number you guys kicked us out and we're not coming back and there was a huge battle because they were like well it's one of our own it's one of our officers and I'm like that's not how it works man I mean, you know how many you know how many innocent people that aren't police officers that were killed by some of these illegal alien these illegal criminals that are coming across the border and you guys didn't bend any straws or try to use us for that so you can't just use it for law enforcement and not use it for the everyday citizen you understand how that's not fair uh what, what's it like for you guys working with ice in houston is it still a thing or have they abolished ice as well 
So we'll still work with ICE, and like when we arrest illegals, they'll still call ICE in to come pick them up. We're not technically a sanctuary city. But what I tell people is like, you, you don't understand. Like, it's not just the individuals who have come over illegally that like commit a crime that really frustrates us. It's the ones that have already been deported multiple times, and they literally get deported, and a week later they come back over. So it's like, we can deport everybody that you want us to deport. We can arrest every single uh, illegal alien in, the, in, you know, in the country if you wanted us to. But until we secure the border, it's basically like the equivalent of you got a big ass leaky pipe in your kitchen and you're just mopping the floor while the water keeps flowing. You're never going to get it cleaned up. So until we close our border, we can only do so much from a law enforcement perspective. Man, uh, and, and how tragic. And yeah, and that's kind of why I'm excited that Kamala Harris is now uh, working her way over uh, to the Middle East because it kind of gets her gets her out of our hair. By the way, Kamala Harris, I'm not just trying to be extremely mean to Kamala Harris. She has an all-time, uh, the, the largest disapproval rating of any vice president to ever sit as the vice president in United States history. She also had uh, a very low polling numbers out of California when she was running in, in California. Uh, it's pretty safe to say that she had no business ever being uh, appointed. It makes you wonder why she was appointed as if maybe they were just putting people into office that could just be puppet strings. I'm going to read this. This is from the AP. Uh, this was uh, December 5th. Vice President Kamala Harris engaged in a speed round of diplomatic talks with Arab leaders on Saturday where she focused on shaping the outlook for post-conflict Gaza while calling on Israel to do more to protect Palestinian civilians from the devastating bombardment. She made a hastily planned trip to the United Arab Emirates as a top American representative. And again, you got to read between the lines here. She went to the, the uh, uh, UAE as a top American representative uh, at the UN climate conference, but the Israel-Hamas war was her main objective. Uh, she met with leaders of the UAE, Egypt, Jordan, and spoke by phone with Qatar's Amir, her efforts to focus on what Gaza will look like once the fighting ends played out against the backdrop of an overpowering attack that Israel unleashed on the crowd southern area of the territory since uh, the fighting resumed, obviously. Um, this is a quote from her. As Israel defends itself, it matters how. The United States is unequivocal. International humanitarian law must be respected, Harris said after her meetings. Too many innocent Palestinians have been killed. Frankly, the scale of civilian suffering and the images and videos coming from Gaza are devastating. I think it's funny that she says this. For us, we can understand that. We can empathize with what she's saying, but she's literally saying this to the world powers who have watched us kill thousands of civilians in places like Fallujah or in other places of, of Afghanistan, of Iraq, uh, going back to World War II. I mean, we don't have to talk about Nagasaki and Hiroshima. I, I, this it's, It must be laughable to some of these these countries in the UAE where they're like, really, really, you're, you're really upset about the Israelis killing innocent civilians, 700, you know, in the last couple of weeks, that's what you're upset about. They've seen us do this a thousand times. It's like when they made Putin a war criminal for, uh, for killing civilians in Ukraine. And, and they kind of just laugh, you know, Putin laughing that off and saying, are you serious? Because have you seen what you guys do when you go to war and the carpet bombing that you guys uh, do? She has no clue. She's pretty detached. Uh, but again, if you read through, um, if you read through the blurred lines here, it definitely looks like she is unofficially going to be in charge or officially going to be in charge of 
of the rebuild of the Gaza Strip. Uh, at least that's who the front runner that they're sending over there is. And, and, and I'm glad to see it. But going back to the border, uh, we have a growing number of uh, Chinese immigrants. Uh, let me ask you, uh, Joel, have you seen any Chinese immigrants coming through? Is that a problem for you guys or not really? You know, we're not seeing that on our side, but it doesn't mean that it's not happening. I mean, every day they're putting out a report of how many foreign nationals are coming from different countries that are crossing over the border. But it, just the fact of the matter is that we cannot continue to have a porous border and expect our country to thrive and survive. I mean, just look at what happened when, you know, Texas, when we started busing migrants to all these other cities. Now, all of these other cities were very quick to tell us, oh, you need to have an open border. You need to be more empathetic. You need to understand these people are coming until they started going to their city. And then all of a sudden it was, oh, 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 we don't have enough room for these folks. So I'm just saying, if you're such a bleeding heart and you want to help so bad, put them up in your house, put them up in your three-story walk up in the middle of Manhattan, let them live with you. But now you're just getting a taste of how much they can overwhelm a system, which is why we need to have a controlled border. But like, we also need to have a balanced discussion about we need to improve legal immigration in this country so that people who are actually trying to get an opportunity, it doesn't take them 10 years and 30, 40, $50,000 just in order to get their legal status here in America. We need to have a balance. 100% agree with you there. And uh, Dudleg, I know this is close to you and you, you can't quite talk about it right now um, just because you 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 have somebody uh, in your family right now actively trying to get into the United States from China legally. And, um, and, but you know, one day we'll, we'll be able to talk to you about that one when they get their uh, due processes done and they're, and they're here. But yeah, I think you're right. We do need uh, reform on, on, uh, on immigration and how that works and how that plays out and getting here legally. And uh, I, I don't know why this article from the New York Times is out. I always question articles like this. Let's say if you're sitting in your police car right now and you're tuning in, maybe you're a fan of the FOP and you're new to the, to the channel, Joe Gamaldi here. Uh, we, we're not news experts, okay? Like we're C-minus students at best. We, we provide five, six shows a week, or six shows a week at this per, uh, at this point to inform and entertain police officers. We don't talk police talk. We talk about it. We have comedy, society, and culture with two comedians, ex-cops. On Mondays, we have true crime with two law enforcement officers, um, uh, uh, one out of Florida and one out of, um, what is it, South Dakota? Montana, yeah. Wyoming, something like that. Wyoming, something uh, Way up there. I lose track. Anything like west of... Uh, Northwest of Michigan. I just like, I have no idea. It's all one place for me. Uh, but anyway, they do true crime on Tuesdays. And then we have political news here on Wednesdays, Thursdays. We have sports news with a guy out of Ohio. And then um, Fridays we have our case breakdown. So we have lots of information. We're not trying to be the subject matter expert at this stuff. All we're trying to do is make you aware of what's in the news. Cause we know that you guys are not watching the news. We know that every law enforcement officer across the country wants to tune out because of all the bullshit. So we're trying to skip the bullshit and give you the news. So you don't sound like an asshole at the weekend barbecue talking about dead babies and domestic violence all the time like tell one or two war stories and then be able to relate to like what's going on um so with that i say when i read some of these articles I'm, I'm coming at it the same way you look at it you can agree or you can disagree that's fine that's why we have social media and you can go and tell us uh what you think about us at all times by the way leave us a five-star rating review on spotify or apple uh apple Podcasts. we're at 1.8 thousand on apple Podcasts. i would love to see us get to 2000 by the new year so if you want to give us a christmas gift for giving you all these free shows it was a five-star rating and review um so this is coming from the new york times and i want to know why all of a sudden do we care about chinese immigrants do we really care about chinese immigrants 
or or what's uh, what's the underlying message here? That's what I always say. I don't have that answer. Let me read this uh, this article real quick for the New York Times. Migrants are a part of an exodus of citizens who have grown frustrated with the harsh restrictions related to the coronavirus pandemic and the direction of Xi Jinping's authoritarian government. The trend has been coined the run philosophy with citizens escaping to Japan, Europe, and the United States. The largest reason for me is the political environment. Mark Yu, 35, a Chinese elementary and middle school English teacher, said in February as he waited to board a boat in Nick, I don't I can even try to say that it's in Colombia, which is a beach town in the North. China was so stifling. He added, it had become difficult to breathe. He was among about 100 Chinese uh, migrants setting off that morning to start the journey through the treacherous Darien gap. The only land route to the United States from South America. Mr. Zhu said that he learned about the trek from YouTube and through Google searches, including how to get outside of China and how to escape. In the last two years, the area has been one of the most difficult portions of desperate journey for large numbers of migrants seeking to go north. So far, 481,000 people have crossed through this year compared to 248,000 last year, according to Panamanian officials. So I guess, you know, this article is just trying to tell you that the, that the Chinese guys coming across the border are real asylum seekers. Uh, but I would argue that a lot of us, you know, a lot of us have questions about going to war with China and what China's intentions are and, and kind of the growing uh, tensions well, that we have, have with China. I have some, I would say, inside information, but I have some inside information because my wife is Chinese, so obviously her entire family is in China. So when we started this open border policy a couple of years ago, this was right on the heels of all of the COVID stuff. So on the heels of COVID, we had in China at that time, they were literally welding people into their homes. And then people died in house fires because they could not get out because they were literally welded into their homes. So you have that. You have that kind of authoritarian power that will literally kill you to save your life. That's what they're facing over there. At the same time, you're going to have people within the government. You're going to have people that are going to look at no matter what, every system that we have, be it immigration, be it winning a contest, playing the lottery, whatever it is, you're going to have people that will do their best to try to exploit that system, to get as much out of that with bending the rules, even breaking the rules, not following things. They want to get as much out of that as possible. So even though you will have people that are genuinely asylum seekers that, hey, I don't want my government to weld me into my home and my family and we get burned alive. At the same time, you're going to have military-aged men. They're going to come over unaccompanied by themselves. So this is where this problem runs into. So this is an article that's just come out recently, last couple of days. About seven or eight months ago, there were a couple of articles that came about about the same thing. And they were roughly saying about the same thing, but they didn't have nearly the pictured evidence and the documentation that they had behind us. I don't like to use TikTok as a factual source of piece of information, but... There's a couple of videos that I've seen on TikTok recently that there are people that Americans and other people that are from other government or places in the world that speak English that are living in Mexico because you've got people that like to live abroad and travel and do all that stuff. But they've been in Mexico and they've had they have hotels now that are exclusively Chinese hotels. The all the writing on the walls has Chinese writing on them. They have people that have at the front desk, they're a bilingual and they're for essentially that now that that is a pass through. 
So you have multiple of these hotels all across the country because now it is a way that you can funnel people from China through Mexico up in the United States with this open border. And then who knows what they want to do for this country? Who knows what they do? They really want to just to seek asylum. Do they really want to come here for a better for the, you know, make a better life for themselves? Or are they are they here part of the government? Are they peer part of Hamas? You know, we have all of that side of things that have come across. All the tens of thousands of unaccompanied people that are on the known watch list that have come across. So it's not just China and it's not just Hamas. It's everybody in the entire world that we have spent the last two decades, three decades, four decades, five decades pissing off. We now have the ability to just, our dress is up. You can come in, do whatever you want. We do not care. Yeah, have you seen the the new article? Um, and we're we're at the twenty eight minute mark of this, so we're going to turn it over to Joe and and, yep. and Tyler here for the uh, FOP stuff. But one last one note: we saw that this explosion happened. I haven't covered this yet because I don't want to report on any news that I'm not. I have enough information to report on. But have you guys are you guys familiar with this big explosion in DC? Yep, four miles from the Capitol. Yep. Uh, wh- who was the suspect in that? Supposedly Chinese guy. Looks pretty Asian to me, uh, coming from the pictures. So things that make you go, hmm, I don't know if that's why uh, all of a sudden that Chinese people come across the border has been a, uh, was important in, in this morning's news article for the New York Times. But uh, hey, listen, like I said, I'm a C-minus student at best, but I, I was a cop at one time, so I like to put two and two together. I like to put the evidence together and just see what, what happens. Let's jump into this FOP stuff. You guys got any more pressing news that you want to talk about? Anything else that people are talking about in local news? Nah, man, let's, let, let's get into the nitty gritty, bro. Let's go. What you got? I know so, you've got a lot to say. That's why uh, you wanted the to come biggest, The biggest question I have, and I'm sure Joe's going to be able to explain this to me, but as a grunt, I want to know, I've never heard of a watch commander being part of the union. So how does that all work? Is that based off each lodge or? Yeah. So uh, each individual lodge can kind of make a decision about membership. So like here in Houston, we cover everyone up to the level of commander, which is like one step above me. And then the chiefs are on their own. So they, they can form their own group if they want to, but we don't represent the chiefs. Um, you know, I would always make the argument that it is better to have more people in your bargaining unit than less. You will just have more power. Also, if you have different unions as you tier up, whether it's sergeants, lieutenants, captains, detectives, all have their own union, what does the city do or what does management do? Divide and conquer. And that's part of the challenge that the NYPD has faced over time is they have separate unions representing each level. So all they do is play them against one another. And then as soon as one of them takes like a mediocre deal, the rest of them all try to fall in line and take it. So I always encourage people, if you can stay united as much as possible, there is strength in numbers. The, um, I guess one of the biggest things I've seen, and I'm like trying to look at police unions in general and maybe the FOP specifically, but, um, you know, I'm a second generation cop. I have seen since I was a kid what unions used to look like, what lodges used to look like, and the camaraderie and all that stuff. And I look at it now, and you know, it's it's sad. It looks like church on a Tuesday night when they ask people to come. You know, it's like there's nobody there. The only time anybody ever shows face is when they're talking about money every three years. So, is there like a game is there like an overall plan that the fop is going to be using to kind of i mean like right now you're using it you're on social media you have a presence my fop is playing around with a podcast idea you know i I think it is but is there an actual plan going forward to be more relatable to get cops in the doors 
Yeah, there is. Um, so I actually teach a class every single year to lodge leaders and new lodge leaders. And that class is specifically designed around two things. Basically, how to make sure that you are more vocal and in the media so that your members are seeing you actively defending them, but also just how to kind of bring in the younger generation. Obviously, we're trying to leverage social media. Now, I would say that every lodge has a different personality. Some you'll see meetings are packed out and like great information is being given out and there's a lot of excitement, but you have to make it interesting for folks. Like you don't want to just have the same humdrum BS like you're talking about where it's like, you know, church on a Tuesday and you're just talking about the same things over and over again. You want to create a level of excitement. And one of the ways you can do that is make sure you're reaching people where they're at. And the best way to do that is to layer your communication. That includes like, yeah, the old school newsletter for the dude that doesn't go on social media that may be in his 50s and 60s. No offense. And then there's, you have to make sure that you're on social media. You have to make sure you have a long form podcast. You have to make sure that you're doing short form videos and reels on Instagram. You have to be leveraging every possible communication avenue to try to bring people in and get them excited. But most of all, I think every single police officer that is sitting in a car right now listening to this, they want their union to step up and be their voice. And that's exactly what we're doing at the FOP. Yeah, because like a lot of people, I'll, I'll talk about the importance of a union and a lot of people are, are disgruntled about their union. I'm like, well, that's not on you, bro. If your union sucks, which it might, you know, your, your union might be just bad at being, you know, your union leaders might be bad at the job or they might be bad people for that part, you know, that role. It's up to you guys to take them to get rid of them. Put somebody yep, in get place. Get involved and vote. Yes, get, it, get somebody in there that it's like Eric always says, those ones that are never going up those guys that are never going to make it past sergeant because you know, of that reputation they have put them in there. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I encourage people, you have to be involved. Like your union is ultimately going to be a reflection of how invested y'all are in it. So if everybody's apathetic, then guess what? That's probably what you're going to get. But if yeah, you're yeah. active and showing up and running for positions and challenging people and like, don't just be the guy who throws shit on the wall either. Like, Actually try to give a suggestion. How can we make things better or get off your ass and run for a position? Like get involved and get passionate about it. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I, when I was a young cop, I, I mean, I was pretty quick to be completely anti-union. Of course, our, our union here in North Carolina, um, they can't really lobby. They can't really do anything. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they can't really, they can't really, it's not like New York, but uh, you know, I went to a couple of meetings and like Tyler said, it was that Tuesday church feel, you know, they lure you in with the free pizza. Um, it's cheap. It's cheap pizza. And uh, and then it just seems like a bitch fest, a roundtable bitch fest, and and um, from a bunch of guys that don't even fucking work anyway. So I remember as a young go-getter, uh, you know, a young cop that was, you know, excited about being a cop, I'm going to these union meetings, and then I'm like, wait a minute, I don't even know who the fuck you are. Like, I haven't seen a case docket from you in, like, ever and then you over there like you like everybody knows that you're a lazy piece of shit and then oh you're the cool guy like everybody loves you so you have to be here and then all you guys are doing is just kind of like bitching in this monotone kind of like apathetic way and i don't want any part of it because i want to go out and be excited about being a cop and um i don't need this it wasn't until later on in my career 
uh, when, when I was being fired for opening up a distillery in a neighboring county when I actually needed the union and they were absent. You know, they did absolutely nothing for me. They talked a really big game in front of the media and then uh, and then let everything go by the way. So it didn't matter how much effort I put into it. They were just kind of like, oh, well, that's uh, that's kind of on you now. And I'm like, wait a minute. Wait, you guys told me under no circumstances do I let them. That I resign under no circumstances do I resign. Make them fire. You'll be the first one that's been fired in 20 years. Make them do that. We have a big case. So, you know, for me, the, the union has always been, you know, what I thought it was a huge waste of time. Wow. Thanks no, for I mean, I, down, you right? know, I understand. Uh, obviously, you went through a difficult situation and, and you know, that sucks. Uh, I, mean, I, I, try try to I don't want to sound like I'm being a, a little bitch about it. I, I, I chose to get fired. I'm fine with it. Like, and it's a much better place without it. So I'm not, I'm not upset, I, but I had a great police career. Uh, I feel like, you know, some of these lodges and maybe it's just my own. And that's why I've never really been outspoken against it because I've only had experience with one, but I, I have talked with Tyler and, and he has a similar experience to me. And it's like, you know, we were, we went to the, what was it? The Jacksonville, Florida brought to you by the FOP bare, bare knuckle fights thing. And, um, the law enforcement section was absolutely empty. And yeah. when we brought it up, we said like, Hey, we thought there was like a law enforcement section, but everybody in it is the people that we brought with us. Like where are all the, and they were like, man, you know, we, paid the FOP. We made a huge donation to the FOP and they just didn't, they didn't do anything with it. They didn't promote it. And, um, you know, kind of in my mind, you know, what, what I said at the time was, well, I mean, I think the FOP has been dead for 30 years. Um, they've never done it. I've never seen it them have any relevance until I saw your personal social media. And I don't know how I saw it, but I said, holy shit. The first time that the FOP has actually been relevant and putting out something other than some dancing TikTok bullshit um, you know, I think you were talking about health and nutrition in the video I saw. And I said, well, hang on, this is like the, this. And then I saw that you were the vice president of the FOP and that made me even more curious. And that's why I brought you on. And I guess my question here to wrap all of this up is what is the FOP as a whole, aside from yourself doing to stay relevant because street cops, and I'm from a big city street cop, uh, department, we don't see it. Yeah. Well, I will tell you this. I became the national vice president about four years ago, and we have made a massive transition as the national FOP. And like, that's not just me anecdotally saying it. Like, I literally have the statistics to back it up. If you took all of the media mentions last year and took all the other 11 major groups, this is major city chiefs and ICP and all those other groups, they only make up 50% of our media mentions. When people are coming to talk about law enforcement topics, they're coming to us at the national FOP. Last year, we created over $31 million in free advertising for the FOP because we are making so many media appearances, because we are pushing back so hard against all the inflammatory rhetoric and all the bullshit that's been out there about cops over the last 10 years. So we have taken a very active role. We've changed. As a result, our membership has increased over 30,000 members in just the last few years. And we are now the largest police union in the entire country and in the world. So I think that your criticisms of it would probably be valid a few years ago, but the last four years and like, you know what? Don't even take my word for it. Just go look at it. Go look at my Twitter. Go look at my Instagram. Go look at the national FOP's Twitter and Instagram. We are driving the conversation about policing in America right now. And I think you don't have to look any further than just the monthly report that we're putting out about officer shot. 
it, there is absolutely, unequivocally, a war on cops in this country. We've already seen 350 police officers shot as of December 1st. That completely dwarfs 2023, which, I'm sorry, 2021, which was the highest year that we had had since we started recording the data about seven years ago. So ambush attacks are through the roof. We've had 12 cops shot in the last nine days. And the only one who's talking about it is the FOP. We're out there. I'm doing videos every single day. We're getting on the media to make sure that people understand. So then people ask, well, why, why is this happening? Well, I'll tell you why. Because this country has treated cops like crap for the better part of a decade. We've allowed cops to be treated like scum. And then we've allowed a complete revolving door criminal justice system that just lets criminals out over and over and over again. So we've created this environment. But you know what? The FOP is the only one talking about solutions, too. We can pass the Protect and Serve Act, which can make it a federal crime to knowingly assault a police officer. We could actually, you know, here's an idea. Maybe Joe Biden could actually go on the news and condemn the violence against law enforcement. This isn't like some high bar that I'm asking for. Just step out there and say, hey, it's wrong to shoot police officers. And oh, by the way, you DAs, how about you grow a spine, get off your ass and do your job? That's what we're asking people to do and just respect law enforcement as a whole. But I don't really see anybody else stepping up and saying that, but the FOP sure as hell is. Dude, that's like right there, like that, like that, that is what I want to hear at my local level in a fucking FOP lodge. That right there. And I know you're speaking just nationally in general about law enforcement, but when my admin is kind of going off the rails and treating everybody unfairly, um, I want to, and, and, and like when you go to a lodge and, and there's, there's no energy there, you know, and they're like, when you were talking about change, right. In the last three or four years, the statistics have shown it like kind of shifting gears. Like I know my, my FOP, my lodge president goes to all the things to learn. He comes back, he sits me in a table. I'm looking at six, seven people across from me, like an interview board, the whole, you know, the whole, uh, all the position holders and I could tell some of them really, he was like, Hey, this is Tyler. He does a podcast. We're thinking about bringing him on and doing an FOP lodge 93 podcast to talk to our union members. And then also maybe inspire other FOP lodges to kind of do the same thing, network, talk about topics. And there was a couple guys that were like staring me down and they were like, we don't, I could just tell they didn't like it. They didn't say anything. And then when they did, they were saying things that weren't relevant. And so I think that's big. And being able to twist that and bring that energy and bring what you just did to a smaller group of people. And you do that once every two weeks, you're going to start seeing people showing up to these meetings. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, well, I understand. Say, I'll say just, you know, I got out of policing four years ago. And, and when I was in policing, the only time you heard the FOP or saw the FOP was when you saw somebody sticker on the back, the back window. Um, there wasn't really any pride. Nobody wore the t-shirts. There wasn't any coffee mugs. So I, you know, I, and we, we had this discussion well before you came on. Matter of fact, we, we had this discussion after the, uh, the Valor Bear Knuckle fight. Cause we were just, you know, we, we were bummed. We were like, man, there, we thought there was going to be a lot more cops here. We held a live podcast at a bar and we had more cops at our live podcast than cops that went to the fight. Even though we were giving away free tickets at the live podcast, we still couldn't get them in the door. It was too little too late. And, and so we've had these discussions. And, and then it, it was it was kind of funny because it wasn't until, I don't know, two weeks, three weeks after those discussions that I randomly see you on social media. And I immediately contacted 
to Tyler from Antihero. I said, man, oh, hey, we had that conversation about three weeks ago. This just popped up on my feed. And the guy's actually relevant. Like the, the shit that this guy's posting and putting out is actually a stuff that I 100% agree with. Your dietary stuff, the nutrition stuff. You know, you're not, it's not a bitch and complain session. You know, you're not, you're also not trying to, to do anything that's unachievable. You're giving out real solutions to real problems that cops are facing. And I totally respect that. Yeah, you know, the, the the fitness stuff and the nutrition stuff was like way out of my comfort zone. You know what I mean? Like my lane is like defending cops, going on the news, fighting for them, you know, raising awareness about the issues that are impacting us, talking about the lunacy of what goes on with the far left as far as the revolving door criminal justice system and everything else. But I just realized like there's like retired cops or cops that are left for profession that are like trying to sell things to police officers. They're trying to sell like their cookbook or their, you know, whatever book, or they're trying to get them to join their coaching team or whatever it is. And it's like all information that I already had. And I'm like, you know, screw this. I'm just going to give it out free to officers and just try to like share the information as much as possible because, and a lot of like the messaging around fitness and nutrition for officers, like we've all heard it. Like, Hey, uh, if you're a fat piece of shit, you're going to die and your partner's going to die, and you're going to let everybody down and your family down. It's like, can we pump the brakes on that? Like, I think most officers who are out of shape know that they're out of shape, and maybe they just don't know how to get in shape. So instead of, like, treating them like crap and telling them how they're going to die and they're, like, an embarrassment, like, how about we just give them the information and an opportunity to, like, make themselves better? So that's why I just focus. We're motivated when they are trying to get better. I always liked it when you had that one fatty in the department that tells everybody they're going on a diet. And what does everybody do in the squad room while they're eating lunch? They fuck with them. Like, oh, God, what is that fucking tuna? You sure you don't want a donut? Yeah, you sure you don't? You know, and and, and it's like they're they're, they're set up for failure because it's, you know, and it's funny. And I'm probably guilty of it, too. But cops don't like to see other cops be more successful than they are. You know? uh, it's cra- well, it's crabs in a bucket. It's everybody. You know what I mean? Uh, oh, you're trying to make yourself better. You're trying to separate from us. Oh, you you want to stop drinking? Oh, you want to get in shape? Uh, <laughs> let me pull your ass down real quick. You ain't getting away from us, buddy. Yeah, yep. yeah. It's funny you say that because we, uh, Vinny Montes, the the famous police comedian, um, uh, he travels all around the United States doing stand up comedy for everybody. He came to, uh, they did a thing in Charlotte, North Carolina, and then reached out to me and asked if I would open up for for Vinny Montez in Raleigh and to do a, a two shows in Raleigh, North Carolina. And uh, it wasn't until the day before the comedy event, I said, dude, what the fuck? And I said, what, what's going on? And they were like, bro, we try to get flyers out in the Raleigh police department uh, in the neighboring jurisdiction. And we, re- they reached out to the union guy and I know this guy and he's right. Like, this guy just texted me the, the other day for some Christmas gift stuff from another company that I endorse. And this guy told them that they couldn't advertise the comedy event because my name was on it. Now, I was officer of the year the year I got fired, which is crazy because everybody loved me. Even when I left, I left with a smile on my face and it was all jokes. But now four years later, like this rumor has spread that I was like some kind of like vile guy that went out against them. And, and I think it's because my book got picked up by Simon Schuster and it gets published next year. But little did they know, I didn't mention anything about them in the book. Like I, there, there's nothing in the book, but comedy, it's all just funny, funny stuff. So, but I, 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 you know, it's a funny story because, you know, I'm like, man, you guys would have been super pumped to have Vinny Montez here. But like, I think now they're just jealous that I'm getting to, you know, do comedy for somebody like Vinny Montez. They're like, Oh yeah, we can't have, 
no, we, we can't share that out. We can't, we can't let anybody know. So it was very little Raleigh PD people at the uh, comedy show, which was pretty sad. Yeah, well, I, cops are cops. Uh, we have to be, we have to be the way we are. And unfortunately, one of the side products of that is a big ego. And, you know, I, it, the cops are the worst customer base. Cops are the worst demographic. Cops are the worst supporters of their own. They're just, it is what it is. And I've asked everybody and kind of everybody until you escape that and you start looking at it for, as an outsider, that's just the way we treat each other. Yeah. And to be fair, I think it's also like society as a whole. It's not just cops. Like people, I, I, I heard this quote recently like people want to see you do well, but you, they don't want to see you do better than them. You know what I mean? So like, they'll be cheering for you. Like, Oh yeah, go. You're doing great until you start passing them up. And they're like, Oh, hold on, hold on. You're, you're getting a little too big for your britches. Now let's pull them back down. We don't, we don't want to see anybody get too successful. Yeah. Do you catch any of that heat from your own social media or from your own department seeing you on social media? I mean, it seems like, uh, it seems like you're kind of on a growing trend right now. Are you not? Well, I'll tell you, you know, I, I've been doing the union stuff for a long time. You know, I, I was the president of my local lodge and uh, then I got on the national scene. And like, I will freely admit when I first started, I let that shit get to me. Like people would make a crappy comment or they'd leave a comment or they'd say something negative And I'd like really carry it with me. Like, damn, like, why did they say that? And this, that, and the other thing. And then over time, like, I just don't give a shit anymore. Like, if you, you, you want to be negative, if you want to leave a crappy comment, like, go ahead, you know, do do whatever you want to do. I'm going to stay laser focused on doing what I'm going to do. I'm going to, like, just push out the negativity and just keep doing what I'm doing. Because too often you'll get caught up with one comment that some dude made and you'll be ignoring the other hundred that were like, man, keep this going. This is great. You're doing a great job, blah, blah, blah. Because we just internalize all that negativity instead of focusing on the positive. And that, and that is another thing that we have as a profession, that we are too quick to focus on negativity instead of a lot of the positive things that we're doing. I 100% agree with you. 100% agree with you. What's, some, what's something like, or somebody like uh, Tyler, what can he do? At his local FOP, if you're just a local street cop, you you know, and you're going to these meetings, how can you be more part of the solution than part of the problem when going to these meetings? Yeah, I think a lot of it is number one, just showing up and getting some people to come with you, like show that you guys are engaged in the process. And like a big thing for me is let's don't just bring me a problem, bring me a solution as well. And because I'm there to help and figure out solutions and we can bounce ideas. But if you just come and just, you know, just yell at the wall every time you come in, it's like, well, you're not actually interested in making things better. You just want to throw things, you know, throw barbs at us. And like another thing too, like I get Tyler, you're in that meeting and there are guys looking at you like, oh, I don't know about a podcast. I don't know about this. There is a lot of that. There is a lot of that in everything, whether it's a department or whether it's a union of We've always done it this way. So let's not step out there and take a risk or do something differently. And you just have to keep pushing and saying, listen, this is the results that they're getting on, you know, the FOP as a national podcast and they're getting their message out there or so-and-so is doing it this way. Show them the successes of where it's worked other places so they can begin to wrap their mind around the benefit of having it. Because what I tell guys is like, there's still some people are like, why do you have to be so active on social media? Well, I'll tell you why. First of all, that's where the fight for our profession is happening. And that is the public forum now, the public square. But also what we're doing is when we talk on social media, we're pushing these things out and it creates the media stories that we want to talk about. 
So we'll talk about officers being shot. And then, you know, Fox or CNN will have me on to talk about it. Now we're reaching even more people. And then we can cut the clips of those media interviews and put it back on our social media and extend the story out for even longer. So there's a method to the madness of constantly putting out content and making sure that our issues are front and center to the American people. Yeah. Do you get a lot of, do you get pushback from your uh, department from that? Since, you know, I, I assume you're not the PR guy for your department. Uh, <laughs> no, I am not. Uh, I'm not the PIO for my department or anything of the sort. I work night shift out on our, like uh, on the West side of town. Like I'm in like my own little, uh, you know, nobody even knows I exist anymore over there. But uh, no, I mean, listen, I don't get a ton of pushback from my department. You know, they're generally understanding that as a union representative, you know, I have a voice and then I'm voicing the concerns of law enforcement nationwide. So I think it's just important to kind of have a respectful relationship where like the local lodge has their job to do in Houston if they have to argue with the chief or everything else. Well, I keep more of a picture, you know, I'll focus on the national picture. And, that, and then us guys on the street, all we do is we kind of just like belittle and make fun of our lieutenants in front of the guys to just kind of let brass and admin know where they stand. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you know, it's so funny every now and again, they'll be like, Hey, LT come out and eat with us. You know, come eat something. I go, no, I'm not going to come out and eat with you. And they're like, why, why I go, that's your time to bitch about me. And they're yeah. like, no, LT, we don't do that. We don't do that. I go, guys, stop. It's okay. No. Everybody does it. Yeah, and then I'm just going to wait until I'm reviewing all of your body cams and I hear, dude, that fucking lieutenant. God, he pisses me off. <laughs> ah, I would never take it personal in my guys and gals, man. They work their tails off. So if they want to talk bad about me a little bit, if it helps them think, go ahead and do your thing. What, one big topic that I want to talk about before we wrap all this up is how close is law enforcement uh, in general lo to losing qualified immunity? Is it, a, is it a big thing that we really shouldn't be worried about? Or is it actually something that in the next 10 years could be a, a real thing? I would really tell individual officers, do not worry about losing qualified immunity. I think, uh, you know, we had a real fight and a real struggle. And the FOP was the absolute center of that fight, obviously post, uh, you know, George Floyd. And we basically fought that back. As a individual officer, I would not be concerned about qualified immunity. It doesn't mean that we're not keeping our eye on it. It doesn't mean that we're not paying attention to it. But it is not the issue that it was just a few years ago. And on the national level, it's much less concerning. The biggest thing is just we have to make sure that every state legislature is keeping an eye on it and every state lodge is keeping an eye on their legislature to make sure they're not trying to sneak anything through. Yeah. And what, what's a, uh, what's a, if you could paint a picture uh, in the next 10 years, if cops, if this generation of cops, right, um, you know, a lot of the guys that are keeping the union afloat doing what they can, uh, they don't have that much time left in. And so let's say the next 10 or 15 years, if this generation of cops don't pick it up and run with it and keep it alive and be proud of it, what would cop work in this country look like without unions? <laughs> Here's, you know, people ask me this question, you know, if people didn't stay involved in the union, if the union didn't exist. So if you're a police officer that's watching right now, let me ask you a question. Do you trust your administration, do you would trust your mayor, city council, county executive, whatever your government structure is, to treat you fairly if the union didn't exist? Do you think just out of the goodness of their heart, they would give you a raise? Do you think out of the goodness of their heart, they would negotiate a settlement for your discipline or that they would let you go to arbitration to fight to get your job back? 
if unions didn't exist, you know what? I'll give you the best example. We were just talking about China and dictators welding people inside of buildings when there's no pushback and there's nobody to, to go against them. What do you think a tyrannical police chief or mayor or anybody else would do to police officers if there weren't union leaders willing to stand in the breach and fight? Just imagine that picture in your head and that's what it would look like. And that's yeah. why it is important, not just for younger officers to get involved in their union, but it's also incumbent upon us as the union to make sure that we are bringing them and getting them involved. It's two-way street. And that's why it's yeah. important for guys like you and the FOP and the FO Need National to have a big social media presence, to have a YouTube channel, to have a podcast, to have they because when things go wrong, the voice needs to be heard. And if you're right, if you can't get in front of the media, if you don't have enough pool, if you don't have enough backing to get on CNN and to get to, get to Fox News, then, then what difference can you really make? And it all starts with with participation. It's liking all those posts that you that you put out. It's going to the, the meetings. It's giving you guys the ammo or the backing that you need so that you can back back up them. Yeah, yeah and, absolutely. And, and like, go ahead, Tyler. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I mean, the, the, I rely on the union so much because when something comes down from, um, you know, I work for a pretty big agency, you know, from a major who can just do whatever they want. They can make all the rules and it's just a it, it is literally written if the major says do it do it and then we'll figure out policy later you know but the people between me and him uh you know i've i've been i've been forced to read books on fighting tyranny about you know the gates of hell or whatever they've forced us to read leadership books and you know the same people that make me read books about fighting tyranny wouldn't bust a grape in a fruit fight you know but yeah. you got the union that's at it every single day doing everything they can yeah. And, and what I would say is like, if you're watching now or listening as a police officer, like engage with the content that, you know, we're putting out and like share our stuff. Like we have 375, 376,000 members across the country. You know, we're basically representing half of all the police officers in the country, like share our content, like our stuff, like, and, and if you don't want to do it because you're scared of getting in trouble with the department, like, okay, whatever, fine. Whatever excuse you have, get your significant other. Get your parents, get your family member, like whoever you can help us spread this information because you know, you're already on your phones oh, so many hours a day. The least you can do is drop us a like, drop us a follow and share our content. Help us fight because the bigger reach we have, I mean, obviously the more effective we are. And listen, look, guys, I've already vetted it. Okay. It's not dancing cop shit. Okay. So like, it's not, it's not there. It's not, I look, I've, I would have brought this guy on if he was doing shenanigans on social media. I, I brought this guy on because he was one of the guys that I felt like was doing it right. I went and checked out FOP national, which by the way, I didn't know uh, about their Instagram. I think I followed it already. Um, it's real good. It's it's good. It's pertinent information. And, and I, I think so many times that when you bring up social media to older generations, Oh God, it's hard to say that because you and I are the older generation. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, listen, I'm trying to live a lie here, bub. Um, but we think that it has to be these TikToky dances or that we have to get on the, it's not, that's not what you do. That's not how you start your FOP Instagram. That's not how you, it, it's put out the information that a mature adult can one be engaged in and be a part of, and, and then it's useful for me. We want to be entertained and we want to be informed. And that's why we started our podcast channel uh, over a year ago. And, and we're up to 80,000 downloads, a hundred thousand downloads on some months per month. 
Um, it's because we know that that's what you guys want to do. You want to be informed and you also want to be entertained. So we can't preach at you, but we also can't sit here and fucking do the ridiculous TikTok dances and make asses of ourselves and our departments. What do you guys say to departments when they want to make these TikTok dance videos? Does the FOB have any say in, in getting them to stop doing that? God. We do not. We do not have any say in uh, in in getting the TikTok videos uh, taken down or put up or anything of the sort. No, are they, they not? You do you cringe? Do you cringe when you see them? You know, my thing is like I, I'm not a big fan of them because here's my thing: is like when you're creating content, in my opinion, I want to create or put out stuff that I would want to see. Like that's you know, like if you want to recruit, forget TikTok videos and dancing and all this other stuff body cam videos of badass officers saving people, helping people. Somebody's drowning. They jump in there. We just had a sergeant who was shot four times and still fought back and deal away the, the dirt bag. Like, like these are the type of things that people can see and say, wow, like this is what police officers do every single day. I want to be a part of that. Like show me body cam videos of officers saving kids. Like, Holy shit. Like, why isn't that every single recruiting video? Like, no, I don't want to see. I want to see a gay pride group of cops doing a, doing a dance with their, their pride flags in front of their new pride flag for, for escape. That's what I want to see. You know, I just feel like, yeah, no, go ahead. Donna. (laughs) No, I'm saying sometimes when Eric says things, I just put little (laughs) asterisks in there. No comment, no comment to let people know that. Yeah, I can say because I'm not a cop, but other people get it. Well, yeah, listen, Dave. okay, I, I wouldn't want to see. Uh, uh, it doesn't have to be the gay pride flag thing. It could be. Uh, it could be anything. I, I mean, I don't want to see you guys standing on an escalator with your stupid Christmas hats on, uh, singing jingle bells. I, I just don't want to see it. Like, I, I feel like that's you, you. Don't look like a cop. You look like a goofball, and uh, you don't look like a like a point of authority. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think uh, you know another thing that's valuable is like actual real interaction with the community like you know like okay instead of like staging them at a mall or whatever like sometimes they just have like this coffee with a cop stuff where they like sit down and actually talk to people or like we did in houston where it was conches with a cop it was like mexican sweetbreads and they like went in the neighborhood and cops sat down and like ate with them and like they filmed some of that content and put it out like i want to see that because that's like an actual real interaction where people are talking and having a good time and like don't try not to stage it too much. I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, no, I, I love it. What's the uh, what's the guy that goes to college campuses and he sets up the table and it's basically like just ask him a question and just people lose their minds. Like he, he presents a question. You guys have seen him, right? Yeah, yeah Stephen yeah. Crowder. It's Crowder, right? Louder with Crowder. Yeah. <laughs> we get a cops to you know a cop to set up a table somewhere on a campus with a presenting a question. You know anything that's uh, informative and entertaining, I, I'm all for. But. Uh, uh, you know, we, we appreciate you coming on, Joe. Uh, listen, you made me a fan. Your, your social media made you a fan. Um, I don't know what negative comments you're getting, but if uh, if I could say anything, I would say keep doing what you're doing. Uh, we respect it. We honor it. Uh, we think that you're doing the Lord's work out there, even though you're a lieutenant. Um, <laughs> just kidding. We always have to take our stabs, don't we? Um, we do it with state troopers and firefighters all the time. So we put you guys in the same boat. Uh, but no, we, we, we appreciate what you're doing. And I think the street cops that we have and the first responders that are listening to this uh, will also appreciate. And I think we've learned something. I mean, Tyler, have you, did you get what you wanted out of this? Absolutely, man. It was great. It we was did this for you, Tyler. <laughs> I literally I'm, always did this trying to st- I'm always trying to stick it to the man, dude, every way I can. So, And I'm, and I'm trying, and I'm trying to, to marry the man and the, 
guy who sticks it to the man together, you know, in unity. That sounded a lot worse than I thought it was going to sound. I wasn't even trying to be funny there. Uh, Joe, uh, uh, Josh, Deadleg, before we roll out of here, did you have one or two questions that you wanted right before we get out of here? What do you want? Well, we can do one. Uh, so given over the last five or 10 years, we've understand the importance of how how important local government is in police departments on having a, a mayor that supports, having a city council to support, having a district attorney to support. Are there areas that the FOP are trying to identify to help support candidates that are more pro-law enforcement? Is that something that they're going to be more actively involved in in the next election cycle? Like yeah, we absolutely uh, the George Soros backed politicians are and just telling every officer that, hey, by the way, this politicians backed by George Soros are funded by him. Just FYI. Yeah, the overwhelming majority of local lodges are doing a really good job of identifying candidates and then endorsing them. Whereas like years ago, sometimes they wouldn't even get involved in politics. And they say, oh, we're not going to get involved in that. They're doing a very good job. But I think, you know, as a profession as a whole, we need to make sure that we're going beyond our bubble. So like, the local lodge is going to tell you, hey, these are the candidates that we support. As you know, if they ask for help to like block walk, phone bank, all those other things, like as police officers, we don't do that stuff. Like when a, when a lodge puts out a thing and says, hey, I really need you to help work this phone bank. A lot of guys will say, well, I'm really busy. Like I get it. We are all busy. But the problem is if we don't step up and try to help these candidates and push them, they're not going to win. And like the American public, like they're sick and tired of all this crap too but they're busy. They're taking their kids. That, well, the working public who actually contributes to society is busy. They're taking their kids to soccer practices. They got jobs, all this other stuff. So you have to reach them and say, Hey, these are the people you should be voting for. Don't necessarily just vote party lines because those local elections are ultimately going to decide. And they're much more important than the national elections, because that's going to impact, you know, your school board elections, your DA, your mayor, your city council. Those are the people that are going to impact you. And you have to motivate these, you know, soccer moms and working dads and working moms to get out there and vote because they're just busy and they're not going to show up at a city council meeting and scream at the city council members because they actually have a life. Not like these loser activists that just scream at the wall and they don't have anything to say. <clears throat> you have to reach those folks. And part of that is being involved in spreading that information. Well said. Appreciate everything that you guys are doing. Guys, uh, thank you so much. If you haven't already, go back and listen to uh, last Friday's show uh, with Jonathan Emord. There was a lot of great censorship stuff that I think is going to be very important going forward. So if you haven't had a chance to catch up and listen to that, go and do so. Uh, tomorrow, we have the sports show, the new sports show with uh, Dispatcher John and Fire Chief uh, Jason Kiefer from One More and I'm Out of Here podcast. Those guys have got some great stuff. I think they're talking about the Kansas City Chief kid with the black face and the red face and all those things. Um, and then we'll see you guys Friday for the big case breakdown. Joe, if you ever need anything from us, you need us to push or promote anything, uh, it's on the house. Uh, just just send it to us and we'll share it out there. To, to our listeners, we appreciate you and what you're doing. Uh, from myself, Tyler from Anti-Hero Podcast, Joe Gamaldi, FOP Vice President of the FOP National and Deadleg. Guns up. Giddy up. <laughs>